Age podcast, the podcast that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life, using music to play the course from their early years to how they got to where they are now, how you're holding, hope you're doing well. Uh, episode 62, with me today, Jed Gordon, I'll get into that in a minute. Um, first off, My Age Podcast, check us out on the socials, My Age Podcast at, uh, on Facebook and the Instagrams, all that kind of jazz, actually just those two, don't worry about anyone else. Because why waste your time looking at a fucking screen? Um, what else is there? Oh, of course, um, my podcast, part of the uh, Podbelly Network. If you've got, you know, if you've got an idea of a podcast, like Jed had an idea of a podcast to talk legit shinfo. Um, if you've got an idea for a podcast, but you're not sure how to get it from your mouth to the listeners' ears, uh, maybe check out podbelly.com. Um, whole bunch of cool bits of information, you know, best ways and practices to get to get it all happening, basically. Because everybody should start a podcast. Everybody should do something creative. Have a little creative out. Uh, that's kind of, you know, that's what I did when uh, the band thing kind of, not, you know, kind of eased off. Um, and Cody came along, kind of wanted something different to do, so I did the damn thing. And 62 episodes later, we're still, we're still here, we're still swinging. Speaking of, if it's your first time to listen, thank you for checking it out, really appreciate it. And if it's your 62nd time listening to the episodes, you know, power to you. You're fantastic, and I really appreciate it. Um, if you like what you hear, and you feel like, you know, you feel like this episode's worth a whole dollar, go to paypal.me slash myagepodcast, and you can send me a buck. You don't have to, it's always going to be free. But, you know, some people like to, you know, just send a dollar. Some people send four, as weird as that sounds. Some people send, send more, but whatever, you know, you don't have to. Again, it's always appreciated, never expected. Alrighty, what else we got to talk about? Oh, um, special, proud sponsors, got a couple of bangers. Uh, Gringo Bandito Hot Sauce, first off, <laughs> what are you doing? Go get yourself some Gringo Bandito. Actually, now is the perfect time to get yourself Gringo Bandito. It always is the perfect time to get yourself Gringo Bandito, but now is the perfect time. Why is that, you ask? I'll let me tell you. Blast Off Imports, go to their website, blastoffimports.com. From a couple of days ago till the end of Feb, so hopefully when you listen to this as it comes out, um, there's 25% off all Gringo Bandito, so make it fucking happen. Um, my personal suggestions, can't go wrong with the, can't go wrong with the original. That, the originals, if you're going to buy two models, buy the original and then something else. Now, the original, it is what it is. It's the fucking, you know, it's the great, it's... Someone asked me what it's like, and I said, here's what it's like, right? When you look at a big shelf of hot sauce at a fucking supermarket or whatever, you're like, what the fuck do all these taste like? Like, okay, yeah, okay, cool, hot sauce, whatever, da-da-da. But, like, what do they taste like? I wish they tasted like this. The Gringo Bandito original tastes like what you wish a hot sauce would taste like. So get that. But also then, you know, my personal favourite is the Super Hot. Um, which is the Black Label one, um, but they're all fucking great. Uh, friends, like Nicole likes the green one, um, the spicy yellow one, I haven't really had much of a chance because I've just been selling too much, I think I've only, I bought a bottle uh, a couple of years ago when, when they first released it and when I was in uh, Huntington Beach, and then I don't think I've tried it again because I just don't have any on me, so give that a crack. If you give it a crack, let me know what you think. Um, what else is there? Oh, exciting news. Got a new sponsor. Now, if you're if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you're into punk and/or hardcore music. 
hardcore punk rock music, or even metal maybe, I don't know. Um, artist first, um, basically a huge online, um, what's it, I, I guess official, they sell official licensed band merch, whole bunch of shit, like records, merch, um, accessories, fucking weird and wonderful little bits and pieces, um, yeah, but all, like, all official shit, so like, they've got the official Fat Records Australian website, the official Epitaph website, there's a whole bunch of really cool shit there, um, hand on heart, I use it probably, like, if I don't buy something off it once a month, it's only because I bought something off it twice a month, like, just recently, uh, the new NoFX album got announced, so I bought a couple of copies, uh, for pre-order, and then, Later on that afternoon, um, it was announced that Body Jar were doing a single with Sharp Shock, uh, which is, if you don't know, features Dan Smith, New Zealand via, sorry, let me say that again, LA via New Zealand via Auckland, or via Adelaide, sorry, you know, Dan Smith, fucking Dan Smith, DOC, fucking DSN, oh, yeah, check your fucking, check your history books. Anyhow, they're doing a split together, um, and they got announced on the same day, so I pre-ordered the NoFX stuff. In the morning, after I pre-ordered the 7 inches from Body Jar and Sharp Shock, there's fucking heaps of stuff on there. Um, a bunch of cool sides, a bunch of cool designs that they always... The thing I love about them most, and it's always fucking red hot, but the thing I love about them most is that they'll sell the Fat Records... I'm obviously a big Fat Records fan. They'll sell the Fat Records stuff, the colours stuff when it comes out, so whether they do the I Heard That Suck Live reissue, or a new album, or whatever, any of the Fat Records stuff gets, you know, they get designated copies, so you don't have to spend, fuck, like, potentially 90 bucks for a t-shirt and a 12, like, a record, which is what it costs when you buy it direct from uh, Fat Records, so, and they've got all the colours, you know, limited stocks of the colours, but everybody has them, like, you know, limited stocks is what it's all about with the coloured ones. I digest. Go check it out. Artistfirst.com.au um, Tell them I sent you. Just say, look, heard it's on the Knowledge Podcast. Hey, Holden. Say good out Dave Giannis. Fucking Diamond Dave. Um, yeah, get the damn thing happening. Uh, what else is there? That's about it. So, let's get into the podcast. If, you, if you've gotten this far, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, today's episode, Jed Gordon. You would know Jed, maybe, if you're in a parkway drive as the... I guess unofficial sixth sixth member, um, brother to Ben Gordon, drummer extraordinaire. Uh, but yeah, come COVID time, whenever you know, whenever that started, Jed's like, I think I want to do a podcast. I said, you should absolutely do a podcast. And so we started a podcast, and look, it was number one in the charts and number one in our hearts. Um, it's called the Desmond, sorry, the Shinfo X Desmond podcast. That's fucking brilliant, and. Full disclosure, I recorded an episode with him, we talked about it fucking months ago, and then completely fucked up and deleted it. I feel like an absolute fucking moron for doing it. Um, so, thank thank you, Jed, for giving us the, you know, the chance to have another crack. He's also releasing this episode as well, so like it's a, it's a collab, if you will. Um, it's basically, you know, Jed was like, look, you'll be a guest on mine, I'll be a guest on yours. We'll do the same thing, da 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 It looks like it goes for a long time. It does. It's like, I think it's just drive, you know, the whole thing is just drive two hours with the intro and the outro. Saying all that, um, there's heaps of music in there because it's not a normal episode. He asks me heaps of questions, I ask him heaps of questions, we dump heaps of music in there. Hope you enjoy it. And, uh, look, fuck, we'll speak to you at the end of it. Cool.
Dutch Info X Desmonders. And my age listeners. We are back with a special edition podcast. Indeed. We have uh, the legendary My Age podcast host, Joel Addenborough, with us tonight. How are you? Good, mate. And yes, <coughs> for those who don't know, now you know Jed Gordon, Shinfo X Desmond podcast extraordinaire. Always top of the charts in the Australian um, podcast oh, you know, rankings. I can't believe it. It's still up there. Mate, still kicking goals. You just can't, yeah. you can't get away from it. No, I can't. The fans want I it. I can't. Joel's just eating a fly. It's not <laughs> vegan, but um, <coughs> Fuck. it wasn't his choice. <laughs> I can feel it kicking around in there. Fuck. Alright, well, that's a good way to start yep. the, uh, the episode. Fantastic. That's how we usually do it. Um, yep. I think to, tonight we've just had the, uh, the group decision to both attempt to ask questions and talk shinfo. So, you know, what else did you expect? That's what they came here for, mate. That's what they came here for. Yeah, that's they, they keep coming back for more week in, week out. They They'll wait two months if they need to, yeah. and then they're, yeah. they're psyched. So. Um, so are you going to answer your questions as well? Like your I don't questions? even know. Okay. I have no idea. No one wants to hear my story again. I no, 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 no. I've surely got, they don't. Just throw them at me. You throw a question, and I'll throw one at you, and we'll see how, we, we'll see how it plays out. Well, uh, we should lay... Lay down the law first. Um, probably eight months ago now, me and Joel did an yes. interview. Yes. With plans for me to be on his pod, and I, yep. I um, <clears throat> was I gave my heartfelt story, and it was it took me it took me genius. It took me a good eighteen months to twist your arm to actually saying yes to it. Mm. And then I said yes, and then I did it, and guess what happened? I fucked he up. He deleted it. I fucked up. I seriously think that you've deleted it. Dude. <laughs> Not a fucking bit. on the charts. Well, you know, it's my only way I can sabotage you. <laughs> I'm not giving him any more publicity. Fuck that guy. <laughs> um, no, it fucking, like, still it haunts me to this day. I, like, I can, I remember it. I remember it happening and going, now that's not right. I didn't, I, I backed and then I went, oh, the folder's empty. And the trash has now been detrashed, empty. The trash has mm. also been, yeah. So, mm. thank you for giving me the opportunity to have another Shinfo chat with you. Completely different this time, but yeah, let's do it. No <clears throat> worries. All right. Who are you and where did you come from? My name is Joel David Attenborough. Um, I grew up in the the harsh streets of southwest Sydney. Actually, it's not that harsh at all. Um, but yeah, southwest Sydney. So, about. Half an hour ish out of um, like yeah, southwest of Sydney, obviously. Um, <clears throat> the two claims to fame to the area of Milpera, which is the suburb I grew up in, um, in about nineteen eighty, it was in nineteen eighty three or nineteen eighty four. There was a um, bikey shootout, like a. It's called the Milpera yeah, Massacre. I've but, heard of that one. Yeah, but right. there was a um, it was a shootout between <clears throat> probably the I think it was the Banditos and the Comanchero bikey gangs. Um, and they had a big shootout there. Um, and the other thing it's famous for is it's where Ian Thorpe, famous Australian swimmer, grew up. And my little tag onto that is I actually beat him in a swimming, swimming race. So, <clears throat> now, full disclosure, full disclosure, um, I would have been about seven and he would have been about six. 
and two laps yeah. in my backyard up and back. I fucking schooled him. And what happened was, like, we went through... He was a year younger than me, and as we went through, like, primary school and then high school and whatever, in primary school he was in the same... <clears throat> pardon me, he was in the same sports house, and he was also a year younger, so I never had to swim against him because he was in a different grade. But also right. when, we, when we did, like, um, my sister was a house captain when she was... Yeah, <clears throat> when she was in year six, she was a house captain, and... She put me in the relay team, and she and he was also in the relay team, so I never had to swim against him. And then, same in high school, like he was always a year younger than me, so I never had to swim against him. And I think he dropped out of school in <clears throat> like year nine or ten. Um, Commonwealth Bank had this program where for young Olympians, where um, you went and worked for them, I guess as a teller or something, like at a branch, yeah. and they would then pay, like, I guess they give you a couple of bucks, but then they would also pay for your flights and accommodation and all the other shit that went along with training to be an Olympic swimmer. So that's my story. I fucking beat what him. What a legend. Yep. Well, that's pretty sick that you used to be his mate. Yep. Can you, do you give him a text every now and again and say what's up? No, nah, we kind of felt, again, when he kind of, like, what happened was when I beat him, I kind of handed the torch and said, mate, I've got bigger fish to fry you go pursue the swimming career and do me proud, basically. Just, mm. you know, do good. And um, and he did. Like, I think he did pretty well. Like, if, you're, if you've ever been to Sydney, he's got a fucking huge swimming centre in the heart of, well, what's up what's with that? Like, kind of glebe-ish, the Ian yeah, Thorpe right. Swimming Centre and um, won a couple of gold medals in 2000. So, you know, I think I was a good mentor at an early age. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I think he so probably recognised me with that story. Yeah, yeah he probably recognised me if we ran into each other. But I'm not, I'm not like sliding into his DMs, being like Thorpey, no. you. So. He probably don't go to the same places that Thorpey goes Quite to these days. As well. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he changed a little bit. Yeah. So, so anyway, when it, when it, how long were you in Sydney for? Like your whole childhood <clears throat> until you? Yeah, so I grew, up, I grew up there, um, and then I moved. My parents split up in 2001, I think it was. They split up in 2001, so I was about... Uh, or maybe it was 2002. I was about 20, 21 at the time. And um, my parents split up and I just didn't want to be in Sydney anymore. And a good friend who... <clears throat> part of my own guitar shop in East Gosford, which is on the Central Coast. Um, his name's Trent Crawford. Played in... Played guitar in One Dollar Short. He said to me, like I was working at a guitar shop at the time, and he said to me, I'm about to go on tour, and I need someone to run the guitar shop while I'm gone. What are you doing? And I said, nothing. And he goes, yeah, cool. Come work for me. So I moved up here. <clears throat> Pardon me. And on the second day I started working, I met my, well, I met a girl, and 18 years later, we're married with a kid and doing wow. the damn thing. So, yeah, we've been married together for 18 years and married for nine, I think. Yeah, no one else. Should know these things, but that's pretty. Two thousand twelve. Yeah, so eight and eight and a bit. Yeah, two thousand twelve. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, good on Trent for being in a sick band yeah. and letting you come work for him. Yep, that's it. I used to love that band. I sweated them so hard. I still remember. <clears throat> I've got a photo of um. So when I joined Irrelevant in two thousand and twelve, um, we played with one dollar. It was Irrelevant, one dollar short, Body Jar, and Fao. And um, you and oh, who else was it? Was I there? 
Yeah, you, you, say. yeah you messaged me and be like, oh, can you get us on the door? I was like, yes, like, of course I can. That would be the, an honour. And I've got this photo. I can't think. I've got the photo. So I can't think of who else you were with. But, um, yeah, it's you and someone else, like, who was in, like, who was in, it could have been 50 Lions or... Boz. Yeah, probably Boz. It was Boz. Absolutely, it was Boz. Yeah, yeah. So you two just standing there, like, whilst ODS were playing, just loving every second of it. Like, I was way, way far. Oh, was that in, <coughs> in Brisbane? In Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. That's when you got, they did a reunion of sorts, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see them in, the, in their heyday, I don't think. Oh, really? Um, I guess you, nah. you were too busy. I was too busy touring and thinking that hardcore was the be all and end all. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> Even though I was wearing pink fucking socks on my arms and a pink yep. bandana, looking pop punk. and a white belt. Yep. I uh, I was more interested in metalcore. Yeah, that's fair enough. Can I ask you some questions? Yeah, let's let's try. Cool. Okay. So, first question I've got is, I've got best burrito. But, like, throw some okay. memorable burritos you've had at me, like, as in location-wise, because your passport would look better than any friend... Or, like, your passport would look better than any friend that I have, as in, like, mm. quantity and da-da-da-da-da. My, my burrito passport? Well, both your burrito passport and your actual passport. Like, so you've seen a few stands <laughs> in your time, and, like, I want you to lay on me, like, where are the... Like, you know, step into a fucking teleport well, machine now... And, di- and, like, you're standing outside the burrito joint. Where are, the, where are yeah. some memorable ones? I've, I've got it. Well, <clears throat> the first time we went to America was um, January 2001 to, okay. live, to live over there. And I pretty much, apart from mum's cooking, had never really delved into the Mexican burrito world. Yep. And then I'm just thrown into fucking um, a town with a Taco Bell. And I'm just like, oh my God, what is this Mexican fast food? The only fast food I'd ever heard of was McDonald's or KFC or whatever shit we had here. And then um, I was vegetarian at the time, so I went and ordered 10, it was 10 for 10 chicken and cheese burritos for $10 when I first got there and sat there and ate ate them all. And um, yeah, I loved it. And continued to go down there on my days off and spend all my wages. I was earning like $7 an hour as a labourer for my dad on burritos. And um, obviously they weren't good, but when we started touring um, America, like several years later, I was like, oi, boys. You know, I was essentially the, the food um, the organiser because yep. I was yeah, the yep. driver. And I was like... Taco Bell's the fucking shit. Like, we're going. And then we would... And I think we all liked it because that's all we knew. But this is pre-Chipotle days. Yeah, yeah. So Chipotle didn't even exist. But also, like, pre, if, pre-Yelp and pre... You know, whatever the fuck else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, literally we had an old TomTom GPS and we yep. just went... I just would ride in Mexican food. and <laughs> Taco Bell at the top. Yeah, basically. But, you know, you'd end up in some weird, um, like authentic Mexican places in America and obviously they're amazing. Yep. But when you're vegetarian, you're pretty limited in those places. It's just like the refried beans. Yep. But like as time went on, it was obviously California was the best. Um, but probably one I still remember is, is chronic taco. Yep. 
Um, probably everyone's been to that one. But I'd say my most memorable would be in a place called Victorville in um, California, way out in the, on the way to, to Las Vegas. Okay. And we, it was called um, El Roberto's. And I still remember it because we we all we went through a chimichanga phase. Yep, yep. And if anyone's not aware, that's a burrito that's deep fried. Yes. And then with piles of stuff on top, it is fucking so obnoxious. What color? What color sauce but, would you go? I think I'd go red, or combo of red and green. Yeah, right. Okay. Sour cream, cheese, guacamole on top. Yep. And then Do I the discovered horchata as well. Oh yeah, yep. So that is the wildest combo. But we, in that place specifically, it had a Mexican jukebox and we would just put in like quarters and play like Mexican songs. So and we had the whole place to ourselves, and we'd just be dancing around. The f- it, there's, a, there's a bit of footage on the Parkway DVD, which um, funnily enough, I watch every now and again. Do you really? So, sweat, sweat myself. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe 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 mum and dad watch it all the time, and I just happen to be there. Yeah, but there's it's, it's all of us dancing with our burritos, just like so stoked on life. Um, but yeah, I've I've put away my fair share of burritos, and thanks to my sponsorship from Guzman, I'm still continuing to do that. Which is it's a triumphant moment for um for the Shinto yeah, re- X Desmond podcast. It, it's <laughs> just a dream come true, isn't it? <laughs> It's some full circle shit. That's amazing. <laughs> all right, I got another one for you. What is the best No Fun at All album? Out of Bounds. Yeah, it's no brainer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, there's a couple of ways you could have gone with that, but I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, because I know you love them because your boy loves them as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Down, nothing, nothing I know. 
To be honest, like I love all the songs, but I, I'm right now. I'm struggling to think of a of a bunch of the other album names yeah, yeah, from yep. that era. Yep. But Out of Bounds is just too flawless. So yeah, yeah sick. Yeah. Cool. Shoot, shoot me with yeah. some shit. All right. So, <clears throat> well, am I gonna go the? Am I gonna go the like? Hardcore band route, or I'm just gonna talk shit like. All right, you've been in a bunch of bands in the hardcore scene. Why don't you hit me with um, hit me with the list? As hardcore bands go, um, in about, I think it, was, it must have been about two thousand two, maybe two thousand three. Um, I joined taking I joined taking sides. Now I've been playing bass for about, fuck, I started playing bass in about ninety five. Um, and that's just what I I play bass. That was what I did. And um, <clears throat> I was good friends with Wade, who played guitar and take like really good friends with Wade, who played guitar and taking sides because his other band, which was called Diamond Dozen, used to play with my other band called Badanga, and we both kind of sounded like he Diamond Dozen kind of sounded good riddancy, and Badanga sounded like um, a terrible name. It's a fucking terrible name, but um, <laughs> yeah, but it sounded like um, Satanic Surfers, just like fast, oh. you know, techish punk kind of stuff yeah <clears throat> um, and it was interesting because we, we always play with hardcore bands like we play with you know internationals like Ensign or Most Precious Blood or fucking yeah. Terror or whatever but and friend like and band people would enjoy us but like we were always kind of too ugly for pop punk and too and not aggressive enough for hardcore punk anyhow I'm yeah, digesting right. so Wade called me up one day um, I was actually working at the guitar shop and I was playing guitar and um because I just wanted to fuck around with guitar it's more fun to play by yourself and Wade's like um a guitarist is quitting to do a guitarist in Taken Sides John was quitting to do Dead Walk and he was living in Newcastle and <clears throat> Taken Sides were based in Sydney and he said um do you play guitar and do you want to do it and I was like fuck I actually I'm kind of playing guitar now and I have the gear like I could do it um yeah, fuck it. Let's <clears throat> let's hang out and fuck around and see what happens. And so went down to <clears throat> went down to Wade's house in Enmore and fucked around. And then we we went through some songs and some new songs. And and Ricky Taylor turned up and just kind of really um like I've always known Ricky from yeah I've known Ricky for a few years, but like he was a really intimidating kind of not intimidating but like. He looked a little bit crazy, like as he... Yeah, well, like, if you didn't know him, yeah, he's not going to just say, how you going, mate? Yeah, he's not, yeah that's right. So, and he just kind of he just kind of looked at me and looked at Wade and kind of nodded like, what's you like, know, is this... What's like, going on? Yeah, here? what's happening, you know? And then kind of goes, can you do it? And I go, yeah. And he goes, will you go off? And I went, I'll give it a fucking red hot crack. And then he looks at Wade and goes... Like they kind of had this like no like this look of like yeah, okay yeah fuck it you're in the band let's go get dinner, and that was it. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so I joined Taking Sides. That's um, all it took back in the day. That's all it took. Being a band, yeah. isn't it? Just be there, be like, and it was interesting because they looked. I was talking to Wade about it after I joined, and he's like, "We've been looking for a guitarist for ages, 
and couldn't find anybody. And then the guys in Stronger Than Hate um, went through the same kind of thing, trying to find another guitarist. And their word of advice to taking sides was, don't look for a guitarist who plays hardcore. Like, look yeah. for look for someone who's around, <clears throat> but you won't find a guitarist who plays hardcore because they're already already taken or they're not that good or rah, 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 rah. Right. So... Yeah, that's Is that what, why they chose that real metal dude. That's what. Yeah, that's why they got yeah Estenu. I think well Jamie. I think his real name is, but like Estenu is his yeah stage name. We couldn't believe that because we were friends with all those guys, and then they're just like, this guy's in our band now. And we're just like, yeah. oh my god, that's an actual metal dude. Like yeah. we didn't even know that actual metal dudes existed. Who who played in <laughs> what was the band he fucking played in? Um... Dimmer Borger. Dimmer Borger, yeah. And, like, for those uneducated in Dimmer Borger, they're fucking monstrous. Like, they're... I mean, you know, bands are monstrous now and whatever, but, like, in a time pre-internet, like, they were fucking monstrous. Like, headlining huge Euro metal festivals and that kind of thing. But also, like, full corpse paint and, and, I don't know, maybe fake blood, maybe real blood, but, like, Mm. you know, going for it. And then all of a sudden, they joined Strong... He joined Stronger Than Hate, so... Yeah, so I did that for about two years, um, and then I don't know why I quit. Like, I just kind of, I was away too much, and I just didn't have a proper job, and my girlfriend at the time was, at, well, you know, still my partner still now, but my, my girlfriend, when she was my girlfriend, was very, um, like, understanding to me being in a band, but it also obviously takes its toll. <clears throat> um, yeah. You know, I remember... I fucked up one Valentine's night and booked a show on and said we play a show on Valentine's night and I'd already booked a hotel in the city like a little dirty getaway and <clears throat> during said dirty getaway I had to fucking head down to some venue to play a good Charlotte after party and it was like yeah, like this is yeah, right. you know yeah it's just one of those things like I love playing I love playing music I love playing with the guys you know I don't know I just yeah one day I just kind of went I think I've, I think I've done what uh, you know, we, d- we recorded an album, we did a whole bunch of touring, um, played with some cool bands, so, you know, what more can you ask for?
then um, yeah, so I had about a two year uh, about a two year break, and then was talking to Gabe from Jungle Fever one day, and just on MSN or something, and he said to me, um, you know, we've all moved up to Sydney, but our bass player hasn't. Are you doing anything at the moment? I was like, well, you know, no, not really. Um, are you in, like, do you want me to come hang out? And went down, same thing, learned a few songs, went over a few old ones that I already knew. Um, and the next thing I know, we're recording a song for a hardcore two, hardcore 2006 compilation that they gave away as people walked in the door, if that makes sense. Like, you know, yeah. first 500. Yeah, so like, it was, um, the song was called Dish Best Serve Cold, which was probably, interestingly enough, one of the, yeah, one of the big had nothing to do with me because it was already written, but um was one of the biggest song big, was one of the biggest reactions Jungle Fever ever got like from yeah, a song right. if that makes sense. Um yeah, and then eventually was that when they just started like that was their first kind of recording. No, so they did um prior to me joining the band they did a demo, and then they did a seven inch, and then they did a split seven inch with the Dead Walk. And then I joined the band and we recorded that song and then we released a album, well, released a, I guess a compilation called Smash Hits 06, which was the demo, the demo, the seven inch, the split, and then that compilation song all together and then oh, we did yeah. the album, so, yeah, and then a few yeah, years pre- they were pretty busy, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, very busy, got, yeah, yeah, again, got to do a whole bunch of touring with them and that was fun and it was good because I was kind of, I was in a band with guys who were who kind of, how do I put this without sounding like a dick, they kind of prioritised, like the, the band was always important, but it was never, um, it was never the 100% priority. Yeah, yeah, so like, when we tour, we'd all take, you know, we all had normal jobs, but we'd all take holidays when we toured, or, you know, we'd go away on a Friday and come back on a Monday morning or whatever and head straight to work, so we kind of made it all, juggle, we juggled it all, but... um. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I did that for about two years, and then that kind of... Ended and then joined Irrelevant eventually, and that was joining Irrelevant was just um they they broke up and they were getting back together and their bass player just was mi completely mia and wasn't turning up to practice wasn't returning messages and um I've been big fans of those guys for ages and friends with those guys for ages and the drummer Mick just messaged me and said hey you want to do this like our bass player is not not here like and it turns out he was actually studying to be a cop down in Goulburn so um. Yeah, he was becoming a cop and just couldn't make it. And then, yeah, so the I mean, the band reunited, but it's just sporadic shows every three years, kind of thing. Whenever they can be bothered. Yeah, yeah whenever it kind of pops up. So that's I guess that's my hardcore bona fides. Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Three three big popular bands that were around for a while. Yeah. You ever get to tour overseas? One biggest regret is no. Yeah, just right. didn't get to do it. And um, I don't know, like, uh, not that I don't know why, I guess we weren't... <sighs> you were just a bit before the time, I think, with those bands, yeah. of, of bands going overseas. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, not to say any band can go overseas now, but, like, it's obviously a lot easier now than what it was. And you can... Yeah. I feel like you can probably go overseas on the strength of a good EP. It, at, well, call it in 2019, pre-COVID or whatever, but, like... You go overseas on the strength of a good EP if you've got the right backing and blah, 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 but... Um, or enough streams. Yeah, well, enough streams, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but um, back then you kind of had to be... Like, there were, you know, there were bigger bands than us that didn't go overseas as well, so I didn't feel like 
we missed opportunities by not going over, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. That's me. I'll throw one at you. All right. Um, your favourite straight edge band? Uh, probably Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Oh, it's... I don't even know. Like, Throwdown at the time was sick. Yeah. But Throwdown now are not sick. Are they still um, going? Like, I hope not. <laughs> Um, apparently they're still Edge or the singer is, which yeah. is, is sick. Yep. But yeah, I've never really, um, like I definitely can say that I'm not interested 1% in Youth of Today or yeah. Minor Threat the or band Black you're meant Flag. To be. Yeah, the bands you're meant to be in. Yeah, the bands you're meant to be in when you're 40 and straight edge. Yep. Because at the, as, as you and I both were into punk and that... You know, sound quality was never amazing then. Yep. But I found it better than it was than those bands sounded. So yep. I always was like, "It sounds shit. I'm not going to listen to it if it sounds shit." That's fair. But I'm not even a good. I don't even care about like recording stuff. Like people say, "Oh, that that recording's crap." I'm like, I don't care. I can hear it or I can't hear it. Yeah. That's my recording skills. Or sound knowledge, yep. I guess you'd call it. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> your production skills. <laughs> yeah, I did a, I did a course, uh, a roadie course, um, before touring when I was a stoner, probably '99. Uh, Mum's like, "You like music? Why don't you become a roadie?" And I was like, in 1999, what the fuck is a roadie? Like. Surely no one makes money from, like, helping set up gigs. Wait, so... It's funny just having this thought. I forgot about it totally. So, 99, you... Did you go to year 12? No. Okay. So, you were... No, um, I, left in, I left in 97. Who... In grade 10. Who's doing a... Who's, who's conducting a roadie course in 99 was, around the Byron Bay area? Like, is it... Is it, is it Lillen Bar. Okay. Lillen Bar was... Over an hour drive back in the day because there wasn't even a fucking freeway. Yeah. So you had to drive over this skitty mountain range that was actually psycho when you had your pee plates. Mwollombar was essentially a country ghetto town. Yeah. And I would rock up. 99, I might be off, but I was definitely a stoner, so nothing pre-2001. And I'd get, they'd go, this is a microphone, plug it in here. This is a fucking sound desk. Turn it up. Like, I can't remember, but I was like, fuck, course is a shit. Like, obviously, I was stoned all day, 
so I had no like retention of information. Yeah. Shit that would have come in, still, come in still handy ha- with you. Haunting me to this day. Yeah. Because I, I can't even remember the shit I'm meant to be learning. But yes, definitely would have come into um, some skills later on in my career of becoming a well-travelled roadie. Yeah. Because you, we, um, in the podcast that we recorded that I lost, and I'm not sure if you've said it anywhere else, so if you have, then don't worry about going into it. But um, I remember you, you mentioned about how you went to do a, was it a business management course? Or oh, music business management, management. Or events management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you talked about that on your on the Shinfo podcast? Oh, possibly. Okay. It was. It was when I had toured for ten years at this point. Yep. And I wanted to quit touring, and I lived on the Gold Coast, and and I had a girlfriend, and I just didn't want to tour anymore. And I was like, "What am I going to do? I'll be event management, or do something to do with events, thinking that it would be, you know." my background skills would be beneficial. And then the, the day the course started, the two other guys in the course were like, hey, my name's John. I'm doing this course because I love music and I want to tour the world. My favourite band's Parkway Drive. <laughs> and then, and then the, two, the dude next to John, let's call him Steve, goes, oi, my favourite band's Parkway Drive dude. too. And I want to work with them. And I'm just sitting in the back going, fuck my life. And I literally stand up and go, hey, John, hey, Steve. My name is Jed. Uh, I've worked for Parkway Drive for 10 years. Why the fuck am I here? (laughs) And they're looking back at me going, like, almost not believing me. And I I was like, and the teacher's like, who's Parkway Drive? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then the end of the day comes, she's like, all right, your homework is, I want you to make a PowerPoint presentation. And I was like, what the fuck is PowerPoint? Like, I've spent the last 10 years just figuring out how to learn, like use Excel. <laughs> yeah. I've, only just, I've only just bought a laptop because it's 2012, which obviously <laughs> I should have had one earlier, but I didn't need one. And you're telling me to make a PowerPoint slide? Like, fuck that. And then, thankfully, Pig rings me the next day and he goes, Oi, the merch guys quit. You're up. The next two is in two weeks. And I'm just like, yeah, I'll, I'll quit my course. No worries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did the girlfriend <laughs> at the time take it? Oh, she was over it. Yeah. Oh, she was probably off it. But I did another year and a half with them. And then they were like, all right, so we're only doing one tour this year, and um, it's American Warp Tour in like 2014. It was yeah, and I was like, I'm not doing Warp Tour. Fuck that! Like, yeah, Warp Tour with a girlfriend would be a waste of time, and Warp Tour was the hardest tour of my entire life. I'm not doing it again. And they're like, All right, you're fired. And I said, Good. That's done then. Why? Why was Warp Tour particularly hard? Like, I mean, I, so in 2010, I caught up with you guys. I'm sure. Oh, you know, I can't remember if you were there or not, but I'm sure you would have. I, I was fired in 2010. Okay, right, right. So uh, I caught up with the band in 2010 at like it was the New York. It was a New York Warp Tour, but it was it was like in Long Island, so it was a it was a fucking hike yeah, from right. Manhattan where we were staying, um, and it was fucking 
you know, 40 degrees, no shade except for the bus. Oh, and the and the the fucking kitchen or dining mess hall or whatever they want to call it. Mm, like mm. what made what made walk tour was so hard. Well, in 2007, when Pathway first did it, we did it in a RV as opposed to bus. Jesus. So an RV had f- um, four bunks in the back and two bunks in the front and a top bunk which had no curtain and no guardrail, so it's essentially like eight foot in the air, just a mattress on a platform. So that was my um, bed, and we had um, a mate with us, so there was probably the band plus me and a Burry, so another guy who was just sleeping on the couch. So on top of the harsh sleeping conditions and the fact that the band were... Um, playing like it was their second tour in the States so they were playing a shit stage Yeah. even though they were getting good reception um, it was just the fact that 8am was like load in time uh, and it was like first best in first, first in, best yeah, in whatever the fuck I'm saying yep, is yeah, yep. to get a merch spot oh so really if you're late yeah if you're late they send you unless you're like the main headliners yeah. they send you in the shitter spot because they map out the route of all the tents at 8 a.m. Yep. Um, and then you're there till till 9 or 10 p.m. Like, and that was at the days where... Did you have a driver? Parkway, yeah, we had a driver. Okay. Yeah. Dare I say Parkway were just realising that there's potential of them being huge and therefore they can start being rock stars. And if they're paying someone to do their job, then therefore they should just do it and be grateful for it. Yeah. (laughs) And I was in no mood to be (laughs) kind or grateful for this torture that was given upon me. Yep. And so um, on top of that, I was just, yeah, big and sad and miserable from the previous year and a half of complete touring destruction that we've gone through. Yeah. So it was just a hard tour, and um, and yeah, not to mention the heat, and you know, you might park three kilometres away from the thing and just start, you know, wheeling all your merch out to then sit in the field for ten hours, maybe get, uh, you know, someone to come cover you for an hour while you have lunch, and then go back to it. Like, there's no joy in it. Yeah. So it beat me down pretty hard, and I said I'd never do it again, and. When they did it, 2010 and 14, they were bigger. They had a bus. Yep. The merch dude probably made tons of tips, so therefore it would have been a fucking Very, brilliant experience. Yeah, financial for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. Okay. What you got? All right, so what am I going to ask you? Um, so in between all these tours and leaving school and all that, did you have a career? Nah. Well, what were your jobs or goals in that area? So, nah, I left high school and my dad, like, in, in not, not like a angry kind of way, but just like in a, a, like a slap of reality, just like, mate, you work or you study. Like, that's, that's, the, two, that's the two options because I was still living at home. He goes, you work or you study. And I kind of did the same thing you did with the, like, you know, with your events management course. So I went, well, I like music and... There's a course called 
music business management, um, I could maybe milk this, and I was in fucking, like, at TAFE, and, um, I did it and turned up and went, oh, this is, this is for people who don't do music at all, but like music and think they can get into it, so, like, we talked about booking a show, who to contact, you know, what to expect when you get there, and I was like, I've been, like, I started playing in, like, this is, I was, you know, 19 at the time, and I'd started, I'd been playing in pubs since I was about 16, so kind of, I knew all that this course had to fucking, you know, offer me. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I just, I did it. I turned up, I did it, I passed it or whatever, um, just as a fucking, you know, well, this is, this will buy my time until something comes along, whatever that something is. Um, and then my, yeah, my dad just like, well, you finish your course, what are you going to do? You're going to keep going or you're going to get a job? And I went, well, I'll just see, I'll type into some fucking jobs website I'll just type music and see what happens. And I got, and this guitar job shop came up. This guitar shop job came up in uh, Miranda, which is like southern southern Sydney, southern Shire kind of thing. Luckily got the job and have kind of been working in guitar shops since, yeah, I got the job in t- October 2000. And um, I've been working, you know, on and off in guitar shops for the last, since then, like whether yeah, it's wow. yeah, so like, but doing other things as well. So sometimes I'd be working guitar shops full time. Sometimes I'd be working at a distributor of guitars. So like someone who does the importing and then sells to the shops, or yeah, you know, or I'd work a normal job but work at guitar shops on the weekend just to kind of have my foot in the door. Still, um, okay. there was never there's there's still not a career plan. Like um, mm. there's still not a you know I'm forty at the end of the year and. The job I've got at the moment, which you know, to be very brief with it, it's a it's a I work for a company that does food packaging. So like, if you go to a cafe, then we sell the cafe the co- coffee cups and the lids and the napkins and the cup trays and all that kind of shit. Um, and it's a very non romantic job, but it's also it works perfect for where I am at the moment because, you know, you get a car and you get a phone and you get you know you get really good autonomy because. As long as the sales are there and no one's complaining, then no one's kind of looking. I mean, you know, people are always checking in, but no one's kind of whipping you, like saying, you know, mm. do more or whatever. So, and it works perfect because, like, I've got a four-year-old son who, you know, like this afternoon, every Monday afternoon, I pick him up from school, uh, from daycare, and then I take him to jujitsu lessons. So, um, you know, and there's not, I don't have many friends who, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon can pick up their kid and take him to jujitsu at four. Yeah. So right. it's kind of it's a job that it works for your lifestyle. It absolutely works for the lifestyle. So yeah, but there's no real and, ambition or career. Yeah. yeah, it's a hard one. It's really a difficult thought to. I mean, you're lucky that your parents were ever like, you should study or you should work. Yeah. Mine was, oh, you want to finish school? Go for it. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to smoke weed and go surfing for a year. And that's exactly what I did after I finished school. Yeah, see, so I think with the smoking thing, right, my, the area I grew up in was very, um, you know, when, if people hear the, the phrase Southwest Sydney at the, like today, like, you know, nowadays, um, they think of like, you know, I'll get geographical on anyone, like on people, but like they'll think of the suburbs like Bankstown or Punchbowl or all these, you know, um, not rough and tumble, but like very... Uh, what's the word? A very div- like very diverse multicultural area, and like it. What the, the area is the word. Sorry, 
Bogan is the well, worst. Well, no, so they know like all that. All the areas around us were very multicultural. Like, there was a lot of a lot of you know Chinese families, and there were a lot of Lebanese and Macedonians and Greek and da 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in our suburb of, of Milpera, for some reason, there wasn't really that multiculturalism, and so yeah, it literally was. You know, it was Bogans who every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights would sit up at this little strip mall shop thing, smoke ciggies, eat hamburgers, look at their cars, drink beers. Yeah, you know, do burnouts, drink beers when the sun went down and play fucking, like, Street Fighter or whatever. And, like, and then eventually that all, you know, that all go get high and stuff. And I was friends with all those guys, but I always looked at them and went, you're, like, I've got no interest in cars and... I'm not interested in smoking, like... So because of the people that were around me that were really into doing those things and I didn't like the way they did like, you know, they all loved ACDC and Pantera and, you know, both bands are great, but, like, I wasn't at 15 years old. Who the fuck wants to listen to ACDC mm. kind of thing? So, like, mm. I went a different route and the people that were listening to punk rock and, you know, hardcore eventually when I get there and all that, that kind of alternate music, they weren't really doing... Heavily, heavily doing drugs or drink or like drinking because they wanted pl- to play music. So like when yeah, I was, right. you know, when I was kind of that age, me and three of my best mates would go to a mate's house and we just set up our amps and play like a Blink album or a Pennywise album or like Fat Fat Records number three or Fat Records number two mm. or whatever. And that's what we did when all our other mates were going to get fucked up and drinking in parks and stuff. Bec- and I, yeah, I, but like had had the Music guys being weed smokers and drinkers, yeah. then I easily could have fallen into that. Not trap, it's not the right word, but like I could have gone down that path as well. So, mm. you know, it's like, you know, I'm not saying. So I'm you weren't sure. just a young 16 year old drunk kid getting nah, fucked up? I was like, I wasn't interested. I, and, you know, I wasn't really interested in girls. All I wanted to do was play music. So. Yeah right. Like yeah, when everyone was going and and so did you like, get called a nerd. I didn't, but like I definitely had that ostracized thing where like you'd come to school on Monday morning, and everyone was like, "Oh, that fucking party and this guy and that fight and rah 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 rah." rah. I was like, "Cool." Well, I was at a mate's house and we played music till really late, and mm. then we got up in the morning and we played music again. But like then, when you hit fifth, so when like you're sixteen and you're going to venues and playing in venues. Then when you're 18, it's all just like whatever. You're not fast, but like all these people that were going into the park and drinking were like, "How good is this?" Like we get to now go get fucked up legally, and and so like I just never, mm. I still kind of stayed disconnected from that kind of crowd because they just weren't like I was already not not above them. That's not the right way to put it. But like um, I'd already gone through the bar thing, and I couldn't drink, and so like bars yeah. were just like nothing to me. You know, yeah. So. But yeah, no idea after all these years what I'm doing. It's just playing yeah. away. Yeah. No, no one does. I've, I'm having a hard time with it too. Let's hope it all falls into place. Yeah. I'm sure, mate, you're that kind of guy. You'll, not to say you'll fall on your feet, but I think you'll find something, you know, that you can make work and go from there. Yeah, I will. It's just the, the goal was to get a job that isn't doing what I'm doing in a kitchen and changing a career is extremely difficult. Yeah. But it, it's not like I'm. Ex- I shouldn't be expecting it to happen all of a sudden. It will take a while. So yeah. But as I said, I feel like it will be my only push from my parents. My dad, who's a builder, said, 
don't become a builder. That was his, like, career yep. advice. Yep, yep, yep. And then after smoking weed for a year, mum said, you probably should get a job. And, you know, we're the same age, so you probably remember the minimum wage in fucking 2000 was $6 an hour. Yep. So I got a hospitality job. Yep. And washed dishes. Yep. And then, yeah, that was like, oh, that's what you're doing, Byron. You, you, you wash dishes, you work in hospital, you work in retail. Yep. We get a trade. And my dad told me not to get a trade because it looks too hard. So uh, I'm not going to do that. So <laughs> Yeah, I remember my first proper my first proper job, like, you know, having to pay tax, was working at McDonald's. And I was getting $5.50 an hour, which would have been at about 97 But prior to that, I was working at a driving range where, like, so a driving range, yeah, a golf driving range, or, yeah, golf driving range, where... Um, me and another mate would go pick up the golf balls with this thing that we called a clicker. So imagine like a soup can that's been like a, a, a golf club with the head, like the head snapped off and then a yeah. soup can drilled to that. And then you'd kind of, with, with, with your left hand, you'd carry the bucket and with your right hand, you'd have this clicker because it made a click sound when you picked up the golf balls and you'd do this like quick wrist action and you'd flick the balls into the bucket and we work from 8 o'clock till sometimes 10, sometimes 9.30, sometimes 10.30. And we get a dollar fifty. They just hand us a dollar fifty out of the till. And then, they, oh, no, sorry, no, I lied. It was $3. They give us $3 out of the till. And then if it was super busy or super hot, they'd give us a can of Coke or a Mars bar. And this is like wild dudes were hitting golf balls at us. So, like, no IH&S, none of that. But, you know, one of the kind of cool things of the job was, you know, if you've ever been to a driving range, you see a dude driving the car around, picking up the golf balls, like, in a fucking beat-up Datsun or whatever. Yeah. At 15, 14, 15 years old, we were taught how to drive. So right. we got to, yeah, we got to kind of drive and fang around on that. So, you know, silver linings where you can take them. But, yeah, $3 <laughs> for an hour, hour and a half of work. So an hour, hour wow. and a half, two hours of work. Yeah, yeah. So Did the, the old car pick up? Balls as well? Do they have a... Yeah, so he had like a trolley thing that would roll over the balls and throw them into bigger buckets and that kind of thing, but then we'd have to go do, you know, the rest, the ones that they'd miss. Yeah, Yeah, so that was fucking right. Yeah. All right, I'll throw one out. Um, Okay. Okay, what's an Aussie band that you don't think got enough recognition? Um, Punk band? Punk, hardcore, either or, doesn't matter. Probably, like, even though I know they got recognition, they probably should have been a bit more popular, but it was probably the time place. I'd say Arms Reach. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. of their political and, like, their, the the lyrics they were producing back in those days yeah. were, were crazy. If you read all the, the lyrics and the stuff, what they all those kind of bands which I started getting into... They had such good messages. Um, but I probably, uh, again, I'd say my favourite band and band that needs to be bigger would be MYC. Yep. That's fair enough. I, yeah, I don't even know why, to be honest, that would be my favourite Aussie band, but they're just, they're just incredible. And, and again, at the time I was listening to Arms Reach, 
and all that carnation and like psycho shit. Yeah. Yet NYC were punk and they were still my favourite. So yeah, I don't know. What what would you say in that same category? I didn't even think NYC, but probably NYC. But my first thought was definitely not for you. Um, yeah. I just I, I can listen to that Evolution EP for you know hundred times. Yeah. No, I know. I still know it. every word. Yeah, and like um, they were. How do I put it? You know, the, they were just ahead of their time. Ahead of their time, yeah, and just oh, you know, and the truth be told, like a lot of those bands back then were ahead of their time, but they were just the one that kind of had the sound that eventually kind of people clung on to, or you know, or, or mm. not imitated maybe, but like you know, kind of copy without even realizing maybe they were copying it. But yeah, not yeah, yeah not for you. They, yeah. Look, looking back at how music evolved today from back then it's crazy to think that those all those bands in the Aussie hardcore scene just were a bunch of mates who were like oh we like playing this yeah let's play it we're going to play it to less than 50 people probably yeah we're not going to get paid we're going to have to borrow our parents car to drive our shit there yep we might go to Melbourne and, we might go to Melbourne yeah yeah, yeah. and then and we're just going to do it because we love it and then yep. a few years later they're like Oh, we've got to be real adults now. This is over. Yep. And then it's just over. Like, yep. Yeah, it's it's such a crazy. And now it's just like a whole different world. So, it's it's fucking wild. That, yeah. That's why I'm stoked that you know we were interested in all that time, uh, that music from that time, and and it's still getting you know recognised now. Yeah. Yeah.
have got here for you um a show that you miss that you regret is there a show that you kind of you yeah didn't, you didn't 100%. go to yeah okay yeah yeah Stri- strife yep when they first came with no fun at all and satanic surfers i think it was called punk rock fucking no surf skate slam yeah yeah yep yep uh, was that 97 oh uh, no I have 98, a 98 when Strife came, I think. Early 98. I have a feeling that if they played together, it wasn't Surf Skate Slam. I think they just were two tours that kind of crashed, crashed into okay. each other. Well, so, yeah. yeah. But on the Gold Coast, yeah. Strife played... At the Playroom or something? At the Playroom. Yeah. 
And then maybe the following night, so did the other two punk bands. Yep. And, you know, 90, early 98, I had just finished high school. I was getting stoned. I was into more punk than hardcore. I just heard about Strife. Yep. The internet was barely in existence. Yeah. It was like, it yeah. was a, it was a minor, if you were on the internet, it was a, you were an, in a minority. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was still listening to just no fun at all. So it was, Strife was too hard. It yeah. was too hard for me at, in 98. But it, six months later, when I found out about Mind Snare and other stuff, yeah, you know, everyone's got to, it's when I hear like, Crafter and Pete and Weber and stuff say, oh, in 97, I was moshing to Strife. Yep. I was like, we didn't even know those bands existed because it took so much longer to, to fil- infiltrate yeah. Byron. So yeah, absolutely. We were, we were so behind the, you know, the eight ball there. Yeah. Um, and probably, a th- like, MYC played with with Bad Religion and Strung Out, one tour. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was like I've, 2010-ish? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're on tour for that and missed that. And that fucking rattled me because I was like, oh, my God, NYC's coming back for yeah. a yeah. reunion. I think they just done their Melbourne reunion, yeah. or, which I went to um, twice and moshed at, like to every song and was push moshing everyone up the front getting yep. beer all over me good it was fucked but you have to do something like that when you're at the art house yep write a passage um yeah and no, I can't really recall any off the top of my head see how about you um the f- uh no effects toured in 97 would have been about 97, and they tour with a band called Snuff. And I saw it, I pick up Drum Media, and there's a full-page ad, and I went, I wonder how I get, like, I wonder how you go to shows. Like, I just didn't, like, mm. I was playing in bands, but, like, I didn't, it didn't dawn on me that, hey, you, you should go buy a ticket from this place, and then you've somehow got to get yourself, like, across Sydney and then through the other side and then out to Manly to see these bands and then um so them and um that show which doesn't really like i just remember regretting not going to it um because yeah just because it was no effects and but they you know they but come like back. you're 16 yeah. like as you said getting through and across sydney would be yeah. hard enough today yeah let alone fucking when you're 16 so from where i was it was a it was a if you got let's just say you got dropped to the train station right so you get dropped to the train station it's a 45 minute train trip from where i was to the city and then you had to get on a ferry and then head across to Manly. And then from Manly, you then had to walk 20 minutes to the venue, which is not a problem going going in that direction. The kicker was that coming home, there was the show would end no. and then there'd be, you'd have to, like sometimes you'd have to leave early to go get the last ferry. And if you yeah, miss that right. ferry, you're proper fucked. Because yeah, right. like it's a it was a fucking nightmare, and you know many times we go you know go see a bunch of bands at Manly Youth Centre, um, and then have to yeah then try to make the trip back, like leave early and kind of run down there. Well, someone's got to organise it and go, oi, do it in Mosh Pit. We got to go. Yeah, like imagine how fucked that'd be. Yeah, 
like lost him to a like, van and like it yeah. you know we've got to be there at fucking five past twelve because it leaves if you're fucking around here because you want to watch the encore or, or get a set list or fucking sweat the band or whatever you're not get, you're not getting home that night like in you mm. know yeah so um and propagandy or propagandy propagandy however you want to pronounce it they they toured in it must have been 97 as well and um same thing i remember seeing it and going oh that'd be cool to go to but like didn't click of how to actually put mm. the pieces in a place to get there um because they didn't tour again until fuck i don't know like mid 2000s so like it was oh eight i think yeah it was a big gap between them t- coming out on the on yeah. the on that tour and then subsequently I, coming out again yeah i flew to newcastle because that was the only date that i could make work yeah right flew to newey got a lift from someone i knew went straight to the was it a uni yeah bar on the hill yeah bar on the hill watch that and then slept with some random mate that I met at the show, maybe, or yeah. And then flew on the next day, and I was like, I just flew to Newcastle to watch a punk band. But you got to do what you got to do someday. I didn't know that that was that big on your, you know, on your radar. Well, early on, definitely. Yeah. First two, hundred percent. Yep. Um, tomorrow's ashes, amazing. Yeah. And then um, it it's tapered, and now to be honest, I don't even bother. You're, it's it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to you know. I posted something on Instagram the other day about like, what's your favorite Progany album? And it was amazing to see the response that it got, considering how varied it was. Like there, mm. like ev- like you know, say there was twenty replies or whatever. There was seven. There's they've released seven albums, and there was eight different answers because I didn't put a split. Like they did a split with I Spy, and I didn't yeah, right. give that option. Like. People celebrate their whole discography, mm. but they're the kind of bands where, like, they so they're the almost exact opposite of Bad Religion. Where, like, you buy a Bad Religion album in twenty twenty, it's going to be pretty similar to the great, or you know, Against the Grain or Suffer or whatever. Yeah, Propagandi's like discography is fucking just changes and constantly is evolving. And if you're not interested in hearing the new sound, then yeah, absolutely, you absolutely yeah. drop off. Yeah, it was a bit too thrashy. Yeah, for me. yeah. I was like, I think I'm past the point of wanting thrash punk. I wanted, yeah, you know that cleaner fat record style. Yeah, punk. So that's that's what I was into. Let's go! 
We've talked about the early days. We've talked about the bands you've been in. Yep. Um, and then I, then that's it because I didn't really have much time. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> okay, so I've got a couple of rapid fire ones for you. Okay. Okay. East Coast rap versus West Coast rap. Because I know you're into you were into rap at one stage. Because I remember talking yeah, about tr- this on the podcast. I, so I tried. To, I tried to be a homie for a while there. Yeah. Um. I think I liked NWA. Yep. Oh, no, I did. Yeah, that's right. I told that story. Yep. I loved NWA yep. so much that I had to rip, rip up the tape. <laughs> Smash the tape, yeah. <laughs> so, have to be West Coast. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I honestly, I had a, a homie phase mid, mid-punk mid rock stage. I think I was like, I smoke bongs. Yep. Like, homies smoke, like, get... Homie smoke bongs, and there was a huge thing in Byron that there was like gangster rap enthusiasts, homies we would call them. Yeah. And my sister was more of a homie than um, anything else, and yeah. she's a year younger than me, so she had like homie friends, and I don't know. I just was like, yeah, rap's cool. I'm gonna be trying to be a rapper, and then I just not rap, but just like rap, and be a then, part of it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is shit. Like, none of my mates <laughs> like this. And I'm, I'm literally wearing, like, baggy. Like, even though we all wore baggy dickies, yep. I was wearing, like, those huge gangster jeans. Yep. And Just I must it. have been 16, so what the fuck did I know? <laughs> all righty. Yeah. What's, um, what is a... Okay, pretend bands are touring, right? And pretend you're still somewhat interested in touring or not burn out by it <laughs> and some young whippersnapper comes up and says my mate's band's like just got on a fucking tour with Eco Strike up the up the east coast or whatever what is a what is your best tour life cheat like life cheat hack kind of thing to tell the kid but how to tour no no just like the thing that you know the one the golden rule like above all else, oh, okay. make sure yeah. you've got clean underwear or you know that kind of just like one thing that's just like no one ever taught me this and I learned the hard way but let me tell you now and save you days of heartache um just don't bother <laughs> <laughs> just like listen kid you're not gonna make it like it won't be that good. It'd be fun. But if I, yeah. if, yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit fun, yeah. but like, don't do it for that long. Cause yeah. like, if you get to 40 and you're still doing it, like it's fully fucked out there. <laughs> um, but if I had to be serious, I'd just say, well, it, it's, it was all a different ball game even. Like, yeah. we did shit without a GPS. So with a GPS and a phone, nothing's hard. Like, yeah. touring... With it, but we we didn't even have a GPS. None of us had phones. We were like, oh, we're going to go walking around um, Munich today. But, like, no one knew where we were going. We didn't know where the venue was. You couldn't speak we the didn't language. Know, we couldn't speak the language, and we... We didn't know how to get back if we got lost. So I literally had to go like, okay, I'm going to go up three blocks, across three, down three, and then back three. That's the only way that I knew I wouldn't be able to get lost. Amazing. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm not 
I am. I do sound like I'm pretty washed up, but I just know that it's the older you get, the harder it is to get some sort of stability in your life. I yeah. think, and um, playing gigs is probably not the be all and end all. But in saying that, I've never played a gig in my life. I've just attended a lot of gigs. You've sung. I've sung in one band. <laughs> yep called FAH and played two shows at a party. FAH fuck all homies. Yeah, and then I and I sung for Parkway yep. in Wales for 50 people. So they're the only three gigs I've, I've done. That's incredible. <laughs> and, uh, and so maybe playing gigs and having people love the songs you write would be sick. Yeah. But I don't know. And I, <laughs> never and, I can't, it. <laughs> and I can't answer that question. <laughs> Fair enough. Alrighty. What, what were your, I think we talked about this on the podcast at a lot, so I really want to hear it again. And I want yeah, people to hear it. Cause I don't think you taught to my knowledge. You haven't talked about it. I'm an avid listener of the Shinfo X Desmond podcast. So, um, what was your veggie slash vegan turning point? Like what was your aha moment yeah. to it all? I I think that uh, it was quite simply my sister was vegetarian. She was probably turned vegetarian at 12. And she said to mum, I don't want to eat anything with a face anymore. And mum's like, oh, fucking great. Like now I've got to cook extra shit for my 12-year-old daughter. Because uh, you know, my, my parents are, I'd call my parents like old school hippies. Yep. But they're not, they don't look like fucking jungle hippies. Yeah. However, <laughs> their morals and ethics are. Yeah. And mum was always cooking us healthy food. She never let us have Coke or hamburgers or fucking chips or lollies. Like we were fucking pretty healthy. Yeah. But when we were just eating normal people food, it was, you know, pretty basic. But to cook extra vegetarian stuff it was quite difficult for mum I think but she had to cook extra stuff for for my sister and then I just said one day I want to eat what she's eating that looks better than what I'm getting and mum's like well you got to be vegetarian to eat this and I'm like yep I'm vegetarian now give it to me yeah didn't think twice about it and as with my straight edge commitment once I say something, I just do it. And I just didn't think about it again. And I didn't think, oh, I'm going to eat meat again later. Or Yeah. And to be honest, I was a shit vegetarian. Like, I was, I, I ate, still ate eggs for years and years. I ate the shittest, cheapest cage eggs. I still drank cow's milk. I didn't know what veganism was. And there was hardly anything about veganism back then. Yeah. And, um... And then even when touring with Parkway, like for years, there was Weber and Scan and Oisey and all the vegan warriors that would spend their days just hunting down the best vegan food. And I would go and eat it with them, but I would not, I would just be like, why would you be vegan? It just looks way too hard. <laughs> like the little bit of extra effort that you have to go to yeah. seems just way too hard. Yeah. And then when I moved to Melbourne, for the second time in 2017, there's just, it was just too many, it was just too easy. Yeah. Like there was too many options. I worked in a health food shop. There was 10 different kinds of cheese, milks, all this stuff. I was like, I'm just going to try it. And then it was just like, 
fucking basic. Like this day and age, it's impossible to not be able to do it. Yeah. Just if you want to. But yeah, turning Vegio was pretty simple. Byron Bay is a Hessian place anyway, so it was pretty pretty standard to do that. But yeah, there wasn't many others like us, so yeah, it was still pretty kind of weird. Yeah, but I guess it depends who you're hung with. Winston and Oscar were brought up vegetarian. Their parents are okay. They were brought up from from birth, so that's a bit of a different story. Yeah. How about you? It's been quite a while for you, hasn't it? Ten years vego. Yeah. And then the vegan thing, like, I'll cook vegan as much as I possibly can, but, uh, like, I don't drink milk. <clears throat> I, I don't drink milk because I don't have coffee, and that's the only thing I'd ever drink put in milk. Like, I don't, I've yeah. got, you know, that kind of jazz. Um, I'm just a sucker for cheese. That's what fucks me. Right. Like, um, cheese guy. Yeah, like, pizza and, Yeah. I, like I, I can, there's some things I can, I can, you know, not have cheese on. Like if I got a burrito, I could easily, I, I do say no cheese or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah. I just, I was watching. So have I was, you tried the alternatives? Yeah, I'm not. So they're just not the same. Yeah, it's like so. That was the other quite. That was the other point. One of the other points I've got. Like, what are your thoughts on mock meats? Like, I think, except for literally, except for a slab of a steak, every mock meat alternative out there is. I'm not going to say just as good, but you don't feel like you're eating it and going, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm really missing out, like, and this is a subpar option or whatever. Like, mm. all the mock, you know, mock whatever the fuck you want to get, you know, mock protein, it's all fantastic. It's all brilliant. Um, mm. So that, you know, that's that's a really easy transition to, you know, if people are interested in going vegetarian and then vegan or whatever. Um, but, yeah, cheese just, cheese is the one thing that just fucks me. Like, I just, mm. yeah, it, I just... I, I, I was just saying, it, it took me a long time until I realised that, you know, the less pizza you eat, the better you're going to be. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, yeah. But if you do eat pizza, well, when you when you live in Melbourne, or when I lived, yep. you can get vegan pizza everywhere and it's insanity. Yeah. But, like, I'm, for instance, I, I know how bad pizza is for me, so yeah. I literally eat it once a fortnight or once a month yeah yeah yeah. and i would never i would never eat dominoes i fucking hate that fast food bullshit yeah so it's all frozen crap anyway it's terrible yeah my wife and i we like the other reason we really eat pizza is because it's a yeah it's something we can do together and get our son involved in the process of making it and on a friday night or a saturday night or whatever but yeah it's not like a Fuck! It's you know two for five bucks at Domino's, so let's get some pizzas. It's it's never like yeah. that anymore. Yeah. But I mean, I find when there, there's a couple of good alternatives now that like a it's a block cheese rather than the pre-shredded. Yep. And you grate it on, and like it melts good enough. Like yeah, it's not the same, but it's it's good enough. For, yeah. You make the toppings good enough. From the from the Facebook groups that I'm in, that's that kind of whenever someone joins a vegan Facebook group that I happen to be in and the question inevitably inevitably comes up with from you people saying like, Oh yeah, what, what's a substitute for vegan cheese? They're always like, Yeah, don't get the shredded stuff. Get the block, yeah. do it yourself, it's way better. So Yeah. Yeah. But why did you go veg Oh, okay, so twenty ten when I was in New York around the same time that um on the same holiday that I was on that I saw Parkway at the walk tour. Um my wife and I were sitting in so you know, obviously we, we both talk about listening to propaganda and 
probably going to have a huge vegan, you know, message and you put today's Empire Tomorrow's Ashes in your computer and there'd be all the videos and all the, you know, information on Peter and da-da-da-da-da and all that kind of shit and it never really clicked with me. So fast forward to 2010 when I was in New York, my wife and I were staying in a hotel in Manhattan um, hang, and we had a couple of other friends that we were all kind of, who we'd all kind of met up with on this holiday and we were sitting... So I'd like sit in this. I'd sit in the hotel room while she'd get be get, having shower and getting changed or whatever and da 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 da. And the big summer hit movie, like the big comedy summer movie, whatever, um, was a Steve Carell movie called Dinner for Schmucks. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No, it doesn't. Okay. Well, I've never seen it either. But the they kept on playing this ad, kept on playing this ad, and the, the concept the concept of the movie is. A bunch of friends get together every year. From what I gather, actually, the concept of the movie is that if a bunch of friends get together every year, try to bring the most fucked up guests they can find, like weirdest kind of kookiest guests they can find, bring them all together, and whoever brings the weirdest person is the winner, okay? So they're all sitting around this really, really high-end fancy dinner table with all their fucked up friends, and the a main meal comes out, and everybody gets given like a plate of lobster, and like there's dozens of weight stuff, and it's all fancy, and like you know four different knives and four different forks, and that kind of thing. They put the lobster in front of them, cut open and cooked, and one of the guests is a clairvoyant, like an animal spirit medium or something. So she kind of waves her hand around the lobster, and starts reenacting the last thirty seconds of the lobster's life. This is what she's channeling, and then she starts reenacting that moment so she's like oh my hands are my hand, my claws are you know tied together and oh what's this boiling pot da 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 and then she starts screaming and like and then she then she dies and you know then she comes back to reality and like the spirit right. leaves her body yeah and everybody on the table collectively pushes the plate away from them as if like nah nah thanks like thanks but no thanks and I watched this fucking ad like a dozen times and, and eventually one night my wife and I went out to dinner the last night we were in New York and we went to a sushi joint and then we left it and I went, I don't think I want to eat meat anymore. Like, because, you know, Daisy the cow, there's no such thing as Daisy the cow on the fucking meat lot, like, you know, the on the farm. It's just a cow with a number gets to a size, mm. Daisy doesn't fall dead and they pick her up and go, well, she lived a good life and let's make the most out of her now that she's dead. They go, no, that, like, cow 47518 is the size it needs to be. So off it goes, nail mm. gun to the head, chop it up, you know, and ship it out and use every single part of it, you know, as, as required. And I went, I don't want, I don't think I want to be part of that anymore. And, yeah, just like that, like the next day, we flew back to from New York back to LA, and I was like, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do this, but if I'm going to do it somewhere, it's going to be pretty easy <laughs> in LA. And I like, I literally just got on a computer at a f- wherever the fuck I was staying and just like typed vegetarian Mexican and see what came up. And the first thing that came up was Chipotle, and I went, well, off I go. And like, I just ate um, vegan burritos and vegetarian burritos. Like, and, and the the, the Chipotle, uh, Chipotle I went to in Santa Barbara because I was going to a uh, Sound and Fury festival. They were demoing like the tofu. They they were have they had like a tofu burrito that no one else had. Yeah. Just to try oh, it. Wow. And so I just fucking for three days at this festival just ate that fucking tofu burrito and then flew home and went. I don't know. Okay, now what do I do? And then when as I landed or not as I landed, but like when I got back in the country, corn was a big 
product, like, you know, the mock, oh, yeah. the mushroom-based chicken and whatever. So, like, that's that was my go-to for fucking ages until I worked out how to do it properly. So, mm. that's my that's my vegetarian did, story. Did Nicole jump on board? Nah, she... Well, y- yes, for the most part. She'll still eat seafood every once in a while um, for the, well, you know, for the iron and... and um, yeah. But yeah, so she. But even then, she's very picky with what seafood she does and doesn't eat, and um, it's not a it's not a go to all the time for her. So yeah, it helps when everyone's on the same yeah. boat. That's for sure. Yep. Yeah. So. But yeah, I was I was just never really like aware of all the um, ad campaigns and stuff. I'd see it and go, oh, "I'm a vegetarian. Like that's good enough." But I never thought. Dairy is is as fucked as it is. Yeah, it, it which is probably fucking worse. But you know, I don't want to go too much into it. It's more just like being um, kind of aware of how it all happens. Like if you're yeah. fully aware of what happens to a cow when it fucking gets killed, and you're okay with that, then yep. fucking go for it. But if you're just oblivious to it and think that it's just all kind of a great life for these animals then you're super mistaken there's a cow question mark question mark question mark now I'm cooking a steak kind of thing it's like fill in the question marks yeah fill in the blanks yeah Yeah. that's for sure see um so this is an interesting one because continuing it's coming off the back of um the episode you did with Pete the other day about new music in 2020 how is Jed discovering new music in 2020 slash 2021? Like, how does it come across your path? Oh, Jed is... Jed is fucked up at the moment. He listens to electro, um, like, playlists. Okay. Uh, top hits country playlists. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor Swift has a song with The National that's fucking uh, and epic. How, well, the... the so... Folklore was written with Aaron. I can't remember his last name, but like, yeah, yeah from the guitarist from so, the National. Yeah, yeah. So her her two new albums are good. Yep. Um, and then I might be like, oh, I'm just gonna go to the gym and listen to like Nasty or the New Hate Breed or something. So like, I do find I do look for every, like new bands that I listen to to come all the stuff they come out with and yep. So, like, I'm avidly looking, but I'm definitely not looking at new local hardcore band that might sound like Terror. Yeah. Like, I'm not interested in... No offence to Terror, yeah. but they're just All a generic like hardcore band. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then again, like, I found Eco Strike, and I was like... Oh, and, like, Inclination and, like, Magnitude and all these straight-edge bands... Yep. And at the start, I was like, oh, they just sound like trial and fucking, like, strife and shit that, like, I've already liked. Yeah. Why would I listen to a copy band? But then I was like, yeah, but the lyrics are sick and who cares? They're 20-year-old kids fucking getting it, so who cares? Yeah. But, yeah, it's um, it's a tough one. But as I mentioned on one of the previous episodes, my top 10 for the year was so fucking dismal. I put it on at work. I was like, I listen, like, my work colleagues think I'm a fucking loser anyway, but <laughs> I was like, listen to this, and they're just like, you're fucked. 
And I was like, yeah, well, you fucking do magic mushies every weekend and listen to trance music, so I yeah. think you're fucked. Yep. So yeah. it's it's different of opinions, you know? Your your last your last episode, and I'm sure anyone listening to this has hopefully like has hopefully heard it. It was really interesting to hear kind of your what you come up against as a mm. you know yeah like quote unquote jokingly a vegan straight edge warrior living in Byron Bay you know the veganism thing shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody if you're living in Byron Bay like it it, it, does, it blows yeah. my mind that you know it's not more popular or you yeah. know whatever but um the straight edge things like has always been like this weird contrast of everything else that's going on around you but like yeah still at you know creeping 40 years old you're still having conversation with people who just can't wrap their head around why like why wouldn't you well, do ketamine why wouldn't you do mushrooms yeah i think i've found the main reason and it's and it's me subconsciously bringing up the subject like without even thinking about it i bring up the subject in a conversation that i don't drink yeah not like straight away, what's up, I don't drink, but it's, <laughs> yeah. if that question, what did you do on the weekend, and they, if they, if they know me, they know that I didn't party, but if, if they don't, they're going to be like, I got fucked up, did you, kind of thing. Yeah. So I bring it up, and then I constantly talk about it, and I almost can't help but mention it, whereas I probably should just sh- shut up, and I tell myself, just shut up no one cares don't tell anyone you don't drink but that's where i go wrong and i somewhat turn the conversation towards the fact that i don't do anything so it's i i've seen my flaws here um in the sense that you know it's a personal opinion i shouldn't care that someone else doesn't but you know i secretly judge them in my head and i'm like fuck this guy he's on ketamine every weekend like yeah why the fuck am I going to give him the time of day? But if I work with him, then I kind of have to, yeah. to an extent. But so here's my, and I don't know how old the people are that you're working with, but here's my like, here's here's my thought process for why, you know, obviously you don't want to get into a fight or an argument or whatever or make shit uncomfortable with people you work with, but I'm going to assume that there's 20-year-olds you work with possibly 20-year-olds or younger, yeah. you know... 18 to 23, yeah. Okay, so it wouldn't, like, it wouldn't surprise me that you're having a conversation with, you know, the, the hardcore ketamine or the hardcore mushroom guy, but then, you know, standing in the wings is some 18-year-old kid who just goes, well, I've got an older brother and an older sister and, my, they, and they both do drugs and they're heavily into it and my mum and dad smoke weed and, you know, kind of talk about doing mushrooms or whatever... But I don't like it, but I do it because everyone else does. And then all of a sudden, I overhear a conversation with you going, nah, man, I'm not into that. Like, you just, you know, I'd hope if I was you, that one day someone might hear what you're saying and go, yeah, like, there is that alternative lifestyle. Mm. Like, you know, like what happened with you being vegetarian, Um, you know, or what happened with you with stopping smoking, like, hit punching cones or whatever like mm. all it takes is one person to just go no this is the this is the way I'm I do it and they go oh cool I, I can do it like there is a different way like I don't have to follow in the norms of what you know the people that came before me and my parents and brothers and sisters and da 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 and what all my friends do like 
you can live an, a life that doesn't have that that's not involved that doesn't involve drugs or alcohol so yeah yeah and and one day I'll hopefully meet a kid who's interested but for the most part <laughs> yeah, everyone's like oh you're you're still doing the no drinking thing yeah. like are you over that one. yet yeah <laughs> <laughs> Jesus and like you know, I doubt any of my old close friends listen to this and even if they do whatever but that's where I've drifted apart from them yep because rather than me saying you drink now that's cool let's still be friends because we've known each other for 20 years yeah I go oh you drink now and you probably don't want to hang out with me because I'm probably going to burn you for doing it and then you're going to burn me for not for doing not, it yeah. and we're just not really going to get along like we used to yeah so, you know, it's probably a huge fault on my half um, and that's just the way it is. But, yeah, it's it's each to their own and, as I said, if, if people aren't happy doing but they're still doing it because they just think it has to be done or that's the, what they know, then, you know, they need to see that there's another way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. But, I mean, you, you drink beer. But, like, you obviously Very can't rarely. tell people no. that you drink it's, beer or don't drink beer, so therefore you wouldn't have these conversations. Drinking drinking and drugs, whilst, you know, like, me and drinking and me and doing drugs cross paths every once in a while, but it's not oh, have like... Have you done a drug? I did a drug. I've done a drug before. No, like, um, I, I might have a friend who has a friend who makes um, edible gummy bears, like, you know... Yeah, gummy okay. bears. So, like, I'll have that to help me sleep. Yeah, but, right. like, you know, um, and, you know, every once in a while I might drink a... I've got a nice bottle of tequila, so I'll have some tequila or whatever. But, like, it's not my it's not my personality. It's not, a, it's yeah. not a high on my priorities. And I've always been the kind of guy that just goes, like, again, coming back to when I was young, all, all the people that I was, you know, in my grade or went out on a Friday, Saturday night to some random park that was away from everybody and just got drunk in a park somewhere and mm. me and my three mates would go to a friend's house and play Pennywise songs and play yeah, Blink right. songs and, yeah, that because that was a priority. Like, drinking and drugs was never a priority. It was just maybe it had come up, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, yeah, it wasn't a be-all and end-all. Mm. And, you know, even getting older, like, I'd be the designated driver. Like, we're going to go see this band. Well, Joel's going to drive. He's going to go to it regardless, so let's jump in with him, give him 20 bucks petrol, and we can all drink at it. And it's like, yeah, that's cool, because I was going here anyhow. Like, you know, how I got yeah. here was irrelevant. I was I was driving. Like, it was just going to happen, so, yeah. Yeah. And no, that's, that's good that, that you had that crew that you didn't really need to do it. Yeah. And, you know, you experimented a little bit, but, yeah, it's... It's just crazy what the young kids are fucking doing these days. It's yeah. absolutely insane. And as I said last podcast, that 17-year-old kid is a fucking lunatic. 17, was he? He was 17, oh, doing, the, doing the ketamine and shit. Yep. And he's, he was six foot four. He had a fucking mullet. He looked so typical Western Sydney. Yep. But he's actually from Bondi. And he moved up to Bondi. And uh, his mum lives up here and oh, he okay, goes right. back and forth. And But just like I said, Oi, what if what if your 17-year-old friend at school says, I don't want to do drugs this weekend? What would you say? And yeah. he goes, I'd just write him off until he did it. 
And I was like, so if he doesn't want to do it, he's yeah. pretty much not going to have friends. Yeah, he's peer, like, yeah, peer pressure's it's fuck, a, fucked up. It's a motherfucker, yeah. Yeah. And so not only that, he, I think he, like, deals it. And I said, how do these little cunts get $300 for a bag of Coke? Yeah. He's like, they, we, we all deal it. Jesus. And I'm just like... This world's fucked. Well, that, this that, world is so that was another. That was another thing. That was another reason why I don't. Well, you know why? I mean, there's the there's the ethical reasons why I'm not interested in cocaine. Like that, and the, for the same reason that I don't eat meat. Like there is a whole world of ignorance you've got to kind of put on yourself to, you know, fucking mm. chop up a line of cocaine, um, mm. and. Um, but, but apart from all that, apart from the ethical side of those kind of things, I've got way better things to burn my money on than mm. three, a $300 bag of drugs that would last me a couple of hours. Like, yeah. really? Like, well, okay, that's cool. expensive as, as, as it is. Yeah. Imagine just throwing your money on that shit. At, at that, yeah. Like, I, I, like, you know, my wife will often say to me, like, you know, not why don't you drink as much, but like, hey, have a drink or da-da-da-da. I'm like, I work too hard to spend my money on alcohol and I worked hard to mm. definitely spend my money on any kind of drugs um, at that, yeah. that kind of level so like why the fuck would you worry about it yeah but you know some people it's it's what they do it's their own and they'll all figure it out at some point and they go yep. fuck I went pretty hard I've got to stop for a while yep and then they'll stop and go fuck I feel good yeah or they don't and fuck they're 50 money. they're 50 and go oh, I'm still living with with me mates at like a share house. Okay, cool. That's cool. Well, yeah. That's where you are then. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's all what you want out of life. Yeah. So I don't know what I want. But. One more question, and then I, I, if you've got nothing else, we'll wrap it up. But this, you know, is there anything, because you're 40 in early April? April 9 or 10? Yeah. 10. 10, okay. Is there anything that you wanted to tick off a bucket list before you turn 40 that you could potentially do or the ship has sailed and you can't do it, but like you wanted to do? To be honest, I've never set goals because <laughs> I've, I've always thought, why would I set that goal? Like, I'm either going to do it or I'm not going to do it. Yep. And if I set a hard goal, it's way too hard. Yep. That's why it's a goal because it's too hard to do. Yep. Um, and looking back, I am totally aware of how like, privileged I've been in the sense of like the traveling situation I would just start a year in Parkway and go you're going to Europe three times this year and America three times that's your life yeah you live at your mum's house for, for free yeah and you don't have to do anything and I'm like yep that's my year all I have to do is get burnt <laughs> by my friends for 200 shows a year and <laughs> life's great yep um and then even even quitting touring, working normal jobs, I was like, this is where I've ended up because of what I've done prior. I'm not expecting to fall into a fucking six-figure job or something. Yeah. So as far as, like, goal setting, I've never done it. I mean, I set a goal to lose a bunch of weight in 2010, and I did, yeah. but that was just because I worked hard. Yep. It's not because... I set a goal for it. I don't know. Goals are kind of gay. <laughs> but um, this 
this year, I actually wrote goals because um, okay. it's, it's a new year and my girlfriend brought me a diary and said, you should write out your thoughts and maybe you'll um, set some goals. And I was like, fuck it, whatever, I'll, I'll try. Yeah. So um, not to give any away because I don't want to get burnt, but I think the only goal that I set was to move away from Byron and move to a different city. Um, and that will be achieved because we have to move out of our house and we we have to move somewhere else, so that's easily achieved. Yep. Um, and the fitness stuff is always just an ongoing thing. Yeah. You just have to keep working at it. It's never an easy road. It's never enjoyable. But, you know, we've all just... But I think for the most part, it's just keep studying. I'm studying online, which is really hard because I just sit here in front of my computer... <laughs> Watching videos, writing down notes, reading back the notes. Yep. Hoping that all this information sits in my brain. <laughs> yes, enough, it's interesting. Enough, enough for me to then one day apply for a job and go, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, I'm literally yeah. aiming, aiming for a corporate job in the sense of like working in an office building. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, entry-level IT jobs are like fixing computers or like solving little problems. I don't know. But I know that I'm going to work in an office environment with a whole bunch of people who are like, <laughs> where the fuck did you come from? You're 40. Yeah. What have you done in your life? Oh, you worked in some shit cafes? And I'm like, no, nah, I've worked for a, a hardcore band before. They're like, yeah, what the fuck is hardcore band? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's going to be a fucking struggle, I can tell you that much. But um, goals, yeah. I probably should try harder with goals. Maybe things will happen quicker if I set them and work towards them. Yeah, just seeing it every day. Yeah, you just have to keep keep going and hope that, you know, or do a bit better than you did the, ne- the day before. And some days you're like, fuck, I don't want to do this. But over time... I mean, if anything, looking back at the last 10 years, I wish that I started um, studying something earlier because yeah. 10 years would have passed. I'd probably have a fucking double bachelor degree and, and that's what master's at something. That's but, what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. Yep. At least there's the whole, like, oh, you can do it whenever there's no age limit type thing. Because yep. all I do when I look at a 70-year-old... <laughs> Like seventy five, for instance, my dad's seventy five. Is he really? Month, yeah. Fuck me, he looks like sixty. Yeah, and even though he's he's been retired for several years, he's still working like daily on the house and stuff. So I'm like, okay, say that I have to work an actual job till his age. That's thirty five more years. Yes. Yep. Like that's fucking scary (laughs) to think about. So. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? How about you? Uh, tell us. Um. Just oh, the obvious shit like lose weight, get fit, rah rah. rah. And like, uh, um. Not that it hasn't always been on the cards, but it, it was interesting hearing again. You hear hearing you talk about on the last episode about um. And I've heard him, I've heard you talk about him a million times. Uh, I can't think of the guy's fucking name. Who's the ultra marathon runner? Rich Roll. Rich Roll. Yeah, yeah. Like he started when he was forty. He just yeah flicked a switch and like yeah I just think 
it's ne- like it's one of those things like you said with studying how to done it 10 years ago you'd be killing it now I'm like you just got to start you just got to yeah, ha- have a just conceited start. crack That's at it. it you know and it's never too late um, yeah but you know yeah just like I've tried to set like not dumb things but like I'm trying to read a book a month so like I hope yeah. by the end of the year I'll have read 12 books um, yeah or Learn the piano, so I bought like a MIDI, like a MIDI piano the other day. And I just want to just be able to sit in front of a piano and just play. Like someone go, "Hey, play da 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 da," and you go, "Yeah, no worries." Like I think it's this, this, and that, and then like kind of be able to play it. Like um, yeah, just pick right. up weed. Like not like because I'm really happy with where I'm at at work and like like family and that kind of thing. But um, there's just little things I just want to kind of get done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just have to put that time into it and that's just it, making it an everyday thing. Yep. And that's what it comes down to. That's what I'm saying. Like I worked from six till four thirty today. Yeah. And I came home and it was raining and I just said, I'm not going to the gym today. Fuck that. I'm going to sit on the couch. And I literally sat on the couch for four hours and then called you up. And that's what yep. I've done all day. Yeah. <laughs> Some days you need that. Like I have just worked out like seven days in a row yeah. prior so you, you need a rest day but when it comes to studying like the last thing you want to do after a full day is then start studying but yeah. you just have to you just have to put in work every day and hope that it eventuates and yeah the, the longer you keep doing it the more it just becomes routine that's it that's it but with the fitness thing yeah as someone who's had to go through it like it's not easy and there's a lot of times you're like this is fucked like this is never going to happen yep but the more you keep going then it just becomes easier and easier and yep next thing you know you'll be fucking jogging a 10k marathon and yep and the more it snowballs you'll be like you'll be like that was easy yeah what, what was I even worried about that's it that's it yeah Fucking wrap All right, up. let's wrap it up. Let's you look it. pretty tired, mate. Oh, I just, it is what I'm just, yeah. When you have a kid, it doesn't take much to get tired. So yeah, true. God bless anyone who has two or more because, yeah, it fucking blows my mind. Yeah. It mate, looks hard. Thank you. This has been fucking brilliant. I've, I've, I've hope you, I hope you've had a good time. I hope the listeners have had yeah. a good time. Yeah, the, the, the listeners are happy with whatever they got, so... <laughs> Fuck them, really. <laughs> That's it. They're lucky to get two podcasts in a month, to be honest. Look at that. I, and look, I say it to you all the time, but just you just keep... keep. Obviously, you don't burn yourself out with it, but just keep going. Even if it's just you and Pete talking shit, whatever. Yeah, well, well that's what we get. Once a month, yeah. Pete's like, I'm ready to talk Shinfo again. <laughs> I'm like, right, oh, Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the meeting request and let's get it on. But, um... Yeah, today, big day. I celebrated my anniversary. Anniversary, indeed. Congratulations. I'm happy about that. So, it was a, you're, a, you're a lucky man to get a to get an interview with me today. I should have been celebrating with my girlfriend upstairs, but maybe she's still up there. You still got a couple more hours to get a bit of celebrations in. Oh mate, at ten o'clock it's it's over. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> anyone who does anything after ten o'clock except sleep is a yep. psycho. Yep. 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 Um but yeah, it was good to talk to you. It's um you it's too, been fella. a long time coming. Yep. And um 
Hopefully this is not too shifo for your podcast. But Dude, uh, I fucking, I don't care. I loved it. I fucking love, look, I love talking to you and this is brilliant. Yeah, this is fucking absolutely fantastic. The world needs more shifo. No, dude, dude. They can, they can, they can never get enough. No, see, it'll never end. That's it. Thanks for checking out. Thanks for listening the whole way through. If you made it this far, you yeah, know, let's uh, let's do it again soon. Got a whole bunch in the bank. Uh, got a whole bunch of guests lined up. Pretty pretty excited about this year. Anyhow, until next time, take it easy, girl. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows the captain lied Everybody got this broken feeling Like their father or their dog just died Everybody talking to their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates and a long stem rose Everybody knows Everybody knows that you love me, baby Everybody knows that you really do Everybody knows that you've been faithful I'll give or take a night or two Everybody knows you've been doing
discreet But there were so many people you just had to meet without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes Yeah.